Hello everyone. Hope you're having a great day. I have been watching the markets lately. It's gotten a little dicey. As of this recording, we're in about the middle of May and things have gotten a little dicey lately. And it, it's been a while since we've had volatile markets, like down markets. I guess the, pa the last time was in 2000 when COVID started happening. And before then, it's been a really long time. And so... And when it, even with 2020, that was really fast, and then it just shot right back up. So markets do go up and down. If you've been investing long enough, you realize that that's kind of the way it goes. But it can get either way, even if you've done this a million times, it can get scary, and there's a lot of fear and temptation and um, you know stuff to think about, potential changes to make. So we're going to talk about that today, you know, what to do when investments get shaky like they are now and go through some of the things you should be thinking about and I'll give you some tools to arm you as we go through shaky markets like we're dealing with now. And inevitably, if you've invested long enough, like I mentioned in, in, our, in the introduction, if you've been investing long enough or you've researched investments, you know the vehicles, when you invest, things go up and down. It's different when you actually see your balance go down. And so it can get emotional when markets get shaky like this. You know, fear is high. The problem with shaky markets like we're having now, this is when people are prone to mistakes. A lot of times, um, you know, people think that when the markets are good, that's when they're like excelling because it feels like they're doing good. But when the market's really good, the majority of people are doing really good. What separates people typically is in these big downturns. And that's and it's mainly when people make big, huge mistakes is where they lose a lot of ground. So the question that arises is, what should you do about it? So the market's shaky. Like, the, I know you're feeling like, you know, I need to do something about it. And so... There are some things you should do, and there are some things you should avoid doing. So we're going to talk through that today. So we're going to talk about like what it looks like. So when I say shaky market, I'm going to kind of talk through like a little bit of like what I mean by that. We're going to talk about some of the natural reactions people have, and then we'll talk about some action items you can take to avoid some of these big mistakes I'm referring to. Okay, so... Just a quick story. Um, my first experience investing was one of those big mistakes I talk about. So I was 16 and had saved up a bunch of money working over the summer. And, and you know, I've been kind of always interested in investing and thought it would be a good idea to, to invest the money that I had earned. So um, I took my entire life savings, which was a few thousand dollars at that. I think it was $4,000 at that time which was felt like a lot. It still feels like a lot of money to me now, but then it was like an enormous, it was all the money I had in when I was 16. And the year was about 99, late 1999. And so, um, so I invested my life savings, really didn't have any plan at all, other than I just wanted to make my money return something. And there was really no purpose, no plan beyond just that. So, I picked some stocks. So tech stop stocks happened to be really popular at that time. And so that was kind of, so I started researching and that was just kind of what was out there. It was like, 
everywhere. Everybody was talking about tech stocks. So that's kind of where my research led me. And so that's naturally what I kind of settled on. So I did, you know, research on what the best ones were and I picked some of those and I'm like, okay, great. We'll have a few of these and then I'll invest in it. And then, you know, things will be great. And I'm going to buy them and hold them for a long time because that's kind of what you do with investing. And so if anybody was around investing, then you'll know what I'm talking about. Or if you've researched it, like that was the tech bubble. And so a lot of these tech stocks and the dot-com companies like got over, they overinflated and then they crashed around that time. And so right around the time I was investing, it, I guess I caught a little bit of the upturn enough to be like, man, I'm awesome. That's kind of how it felt at the time, but it quickly started to crash. And so any first time investor, I felt the temptation to kind of do something about it. So what my action was, is I started to trade. I'm like, I got to get rid of these losers and I'm going to find some winners. And so I, you know, was started trading and looking for the winners. And unfortunately I never found the winner. And basically after a few years of trading, had lost pretty much everything that I had started with. So that was that was my first big investing mistake. I really didn't have, you know, the knowledge and experience at that time and basically made all the mistakes you could possibly make. Fortunately, it was an early phase of my life and I was able to learn when the stakes were lower. But that that I think is a good example of like some of the mistakes that happen. Hopefully you're not like making all of them at once like I did. But, you know, people make mistakes and we're all prone to those. And I think it's, you know, helpful to recognize those mistakes. And ideally, you're learning from the mistakes of others. And hopefully you can learn some of these mistakes we'll talk about and some of the mistakes I made in my past. Okay, so like, what do these, sh so when I talk about shaky markets and down markets, what does that look like? So if you look at like the short term so like right now, the market has been started to get like volatile. So if you go to Google and you Google VTI, so Google VTI, that is what you're Googling. What you're looking up there is the Vanguard total stock market. That's a good, I think, metric. One of the good metrics of the market. When I say the market, basically it's a ETF that owns all the stocks in the basically every stock in the US. So I kind of look at it as a pretty good metric of the entire market. And so it's a good way to look at like his historical market. I guess the fund is not super old, like it goes back to like 2000s, early 2000s. But you can kind of look at how the market's doing by just looking up this fund. So, so as of this recording, I'm looking at it, like if I go to like year to date view of how it's doing, you know, it starts, there's the ups and downs are starting to get a little bigger and year to date it's down as of like now, like the second it's down like 16.31%. That's going to change every second. Cause I'm looking at the Google, you know, as of like literally the second, but call it like, you know, little over 16% down year to date for this fund. And so that's kind of, I would define like shaky market territories, like in that like probably 15% or greater territory, 20% loss or greater is when people kind of start to get alarm bells going. And then like when you get into like 30% territory, I think that's when it really starts to get bad or really people start to feel it. So 
by my like unofficial definitions, there's much more official definitions. I gauge it just by kind of how our one-on-one clients, our feelings I'm seeing them have and the number of them that are raising issues. But I think it, at this point in time, it's starting to get into the shaky market territory with this downturn, not quite like it was in 2020 or in 2008, but it's starting to get into that territory. And so it's in the market starting to get more volatile, start to having, starting to have more ups and downs. And, uh, you know, people are starting to get a little emotional. So that's what I mean by shaky market territory. Like in 2008, that's a good example of like an extended bad market. So once things like settled out at the bottom, so that like, like I was talking about the Vanguard total stock market. So I think, like I said, that's a good example of like of the overall stock market, total stock market. So at the from the top of the market in mid 2007 till when it got to the bottom in like early 2009, it had dropped over 50%. So that that's a pretty big hit. So if you're 100% in that fund with all your money, say you have a million dollars, it's now $500,000. So you're going to see that statement. You're going to see basically it's going to feel like you just lost $500,000. So that's shaky market territory. So I wanted to talk about the reaction that happens there because I think that's important to observe. So uh, what people feel when they see the statement or as things come up or they start to see the news go south, the feeling that either the news tells us this or we naturally tell ourselves this is like, this is different. Like this time is different. I know it's down and I know markets go down, but like this time is different. So, and maybe even like, this is something we're never going to recover from maybe because it's different, but was what the inter- the interesting thing about that, like storyline is it usually is different. That's why it happened typically in the first place, because we like, we often as a society, like learn from our mistakes, not always, but these big downturns typically are caused because some new big issue came up or something flew under the radar and caused it. And so oftentimes the downturn is caused by something completely new and different. Also, historically, we're able to work through it and come through and recover nicely. So those feelings are normal. And also when we get in that shaky market territory, things just get completely backwards sometimes. So like right now, for example, inflation is high and cash is paying nothing. And for a while, mortgage rates were really low. So there was this little, there was this time in like, I think it was like March of 2022. To like inflation had already crept up, but mortgage interest rates were super low and cash was paying basically nothing. So fast forward to today, cash is still paying nothing, but inflation is really high, but mortgage rates have gone up quite a bit. So that's not exactly normally how it is. Like inflation typically 
like as inflation goes up, like your cash should pay a little more normally and rates on mortgages would typically go up. Well, they've started to do that on mortgage interest rates, but things can get backwards, especially when you look at the really short term periods of time. Or sometimes if you've ever heard people talk about the reverse yield curve, that's you know an abnormal thing that happens. But Typically, these like backwards sort of scenarios happen in like a really short term time frame. So also in these like scary markets, salespeople really leverage people's fear. So does the news. So you have to realize there's some like there's a lot of people incentivized by that fear and they can kind of capitalize on it. So, you know, that's just another consideration. The focus or the temptation is to really hone in on like the day to day people kind of get this pull to start like watching the market when it gets, especially the worse it gets. It's like you can find yourself like checking the daily market report or maybe even like checking hourly or, you know, watching it. There's this pull to, to watch that short term market movement and not to say that like the news is bad or whatever. I'm just saying like, this is just the tendency that happens. And so Feelings will come out. That's just a thing that happens. Like when things get bad, people will get nervous or scared or fearful. So I think it's important to emphasize like that's completely normal. That's kind of how this works. And you're going to want to search for solutions that are out there. And, you know, when it's painful, it's like natural. It's natural to avoid the pain and try to stop the pain. And so all this... What happens with all this is you're prone to actually like making changes, for example, like selling low and buying high. So you're prone to making changes that are not exactly logical and very emotion driven. And with when it comes to investing, this is oftentimes the worst time to make the changes we're often pushed towards in this situation. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, get rid of my investments or change the investments to a different type of investments and just at the point where they're at their lowest. And uh, so that's, you know, kind of the reverse of what we know we should be doing. So I think it's good to recognize those things are happening and it's normal and ask yourself, like, you know, what is the underlying concern is it the or maybe think about like what is the money that i'm concerned about for like what's its purpose and uh, think about like when am i ultimately going to use it and what's it going to be for and uh, you just kind of think through those questions so the last thing i wanted to talk about in relation to these shaky markets is what can you do about it so so what can you do to avoid some of the mistakes that I'm talking about. So you gotta you gotta remember your financial plan and investment plan. They're kind of like integrated, you know, your financial plan and investment plan. Now, if you don't have one, you know, this if you haven't made one by now, this is prime time to make one, you know, as soon as possible to have one. Cause this is gonna be the time frame when you're gonna really lean on it. But like your financial plan allows you to kind of connect your investments with your goals. It helps you to put a good purpose or tie in a purpose for your dollars and uh, helps you to kind of match up like long-term goals with long-term dollars and avoid like matching up long-term dollars with short-term dollars. So for example, if you're 
investing money that really should be for like emergencies, that's going to cause a lot more added fear and concern when you see them start to drop. You're going to be like, uh oh, what if something happens and I need that money because that's my only reserve. And so a good financial plan is going to say, no, you should have a emergency account, which should not be invested because you need to pair up short term needs with short term dollars. And if you need it in the short term, you can't invest it because who knows what's going to happen in the short term. And so you're pairing up those dollars with those goals and putting a good purpose behind the money on the flip side for example maybe you have long-term goal of retirement is the most common one like re retiring by say age 50 or something and so it helps you to think of like dollars in terms of that goal and that purpose put it in a bucket so if you're 30 right now and you're, those, all those dollars are kind of tied to that purpose, that's a long time from now. Like you got 30 years. So it helps you to kind of not focus so much on the day-to-day. -day. It doesn't really matter what's happening this week or day or hour. You're not going to use those dollars for 30 years. So you shouldn't really be focused on that short period of time if you're not going to be using them. So big thing is, having that investment plan and financial plan and consulting it in times when you get when it gets shaky or you start to feel those emotions and if you work with the financial planner you know especially if you start to feel nervous about it like talk to them about it that's what we do or where we can help sometimes and so as you feel those feelings and emotions i think it's good to try to give yourself a little space between the emotion and the decisions or actions. So the risk is you feel the fear and then you make a move immediately or as fast as possible. It's better to like, especially with investing, like give yourself a minute to like take some time to be kind of wrap your head around it and get some logic. So give yourself a few, you know, a little space between the feeling and the action. It's also great always to educate yourself on this type of stuff. So for investing specifically, I would suggest educating yourself on, on like investing or human investing behaviors and behavioral finance. There's a ton of stuff out there on, you know, how people behave with investing. Some of the uh, flaws or human, the biases we have and that sort of thing. We've actually recorded a, an episode on that. I'll link to that in the show notes. It hadn't come out yet, but we'll have that linked up. So you can check that out if you want to dig into that subject. But I think it's helpful to understand kind of how you're going to tend to behave and some of the behavioral risks you would have and educate yourself on that so you can gain awareness on it and, you know, avoid being as prone to those. And then educating yourself just on how markets work too. That's a kind of a great step to take always as well. Same sort of thing. If you're, the more awareness you have on how these things work, the better, the better you're going to be able to navigate this sort of uh, experience, especially when you're getting, you're feeling the emotions. 
So we're also going to do a podcast episode on on that as well. So I will have that linked in the show notes for you guys that want to dig in on that. And so I think the key, though, is just kind of sticking to the basics of what your plan is and what, you know, the resulting investment strategy is to, you know, allow you to reach your goals. With investing, it's ideally your doing it as unemotionally as possible and sticking to, you know, pretty specific logical rules. So in summary, first step is if you don't have a financial plan or investment plan, I would suggest creating one, you know, as soon as possible. I will link to the, we've created like a do-it-yourself guide. For those of you that lean that direction or you're not sure which direction you want to take, I'll link to a do-it-yourself guide that we've created to help you kind of work through that process. Or if you want one-on-one, we're happy. Our planning firm does initial consults at no cost. We're happy to do one of those. But step number one is having that financial plan you can lean on. That's going to be huge, especially when it the more emotional and it's kind of scary it gets. And at, once you have the plan, you want to consult it and kind of review it and uh, lean on it when you start to feel that uncertainty and those emotions and make sure that you're following it. It's going to be a reminder, kind of a voice of reason for you. And so you want to consult it or consult if you're working with a financial planner you can consult the financial planner. That's the service they provide is like, they're going to be kind of that voice of reason. But if you're doing it yourself, you want to consult your financial plan um, so that you can kind of remind yourself of what that needs to look like. And and so don't, you don't want to make changes based on things you can't control like external market factors or emotions. So recognizing that the market is out of your control for the most part is really important and separating some space between those emotions and the actions I think is helpful. So some last items I'll throw out. So if you're still looking for some actions, these are some, uh, what I would consider like productive actions to think about, um, when the market is shaky that can, these are not always applicable, but there's some potential, I guess, considerations for you to at least think about. So if you haven't funded all your tax sheltered savings vehicles, when the market is down, it can be a fantastic time to do it. Now, ideally you would have done that already, or you already have a plan to do that. Like that's the ideal world because most of the time the markets are good, but if it happens to be that today you didn't really have a plan for dollars and it it happens to be that you haven't maxed out those tax shelters. Well, that's, you know, a good time to do that. So like I said, ideally you have that plan and you can lean on it and it's already kind of facilitating that process and you're already kind of on track to do all the fund, all those tax shelters. But if you don't have that and you now are seeing yourself with lots of extra cash, and you haven't funded those tax shelters, when the market is really down, it can be a great time to kind of get caught up on them. The second thing would be to tax loss harvest. So tax loss harvesting is when you're taking losses on investments intentionally. 
to produce tax losses. It's a tax benefit that will come through on your tax return. We did an episode several shows back on tax loss harvesting that I will link to if you want to dig into that. And just rebalancing your investments. So that's basically like following your investment plan. Oftentimes you're when the markets get shaky, it will pull you away from your target that you've established with your investment plan. So what rebalancing is it's kind of rebalancing the categories of investments to kind of stick with the plan you originally established. So you're not actually changing the plan. You're just adjusting your investments because they've changed so much and they've kind of gotten off track with your plan. So rebalancing and tax loss harvesting can be really good, especially when it gets really, the more it changes, the more these can be beneficial. Another one that can sometimes be helpful is Roth conversion. So Roth conversions, that's when you're changing your pre-tax IRA or 401k. You're changing your pre-tax account into a Roth account. So you can always do this in an IRA and then some 401ks or allow you to convert from pre-tax to Roth. And so this is basically like saying on pre-tax money, like a traditional 401k or IRA, you're not going to pay tax until you take it out. So it's like tax me later on a Roth, you get taxed now, but then you never pay tax again. So it's like tax me now. So with a Roth conversion, you're basically like saying, you're basically saying, I'd rather take the tax hit now. So you're just like, let's just go ahead and pay the tax now get it over with. I think so usually do that because you think the tax hit is going to be lower now than later. That's usually why you do Roth. So the, but the Roth conversion can work well when the market is really low, mainly because the values are down. So if you look back, this is, you know, you can use history as an example. It's not always easy to pinpoint this in real time. It's actually very difficult to, but in some cases, like say we're in 2008 at the bottom of a 50% drop and you were already considering this strategy of Roth conversion that, and you just hadn't pulled the trigger yet. That can be an excellent time to do it because you're say you're, you had a hundred thousand dollars in an account. And if you converted it to Roth, it would be a hundred thousand dollars that was taxed. And so that triggers tax on say 30%, which is $30,000, but you hadn't done it yet. So now that account has dropped to $50,000. And so the same thing, you convert the $50,000 and it's taxed at 30%, but that's only $15,000 of tax. It's basically like, converting it at a discounted price, which triggers less tax. So Roth conversion looks slightly more appealing the more a market goes down. It's not a reason in itself to do Roth conversions, but it can add to the argument for Roth conversion. And then the last thing is if you happen to have unaccounted for dollars, so this goes back to the financial plan. That's the most important thing is having the financial plan. But you happen to have not had one and you have these unaccounted for extra dollars that are just like not being 
put to get good use. And let's say that they should be or could be used for long-term monies. It can be an excellent time to start investing those the further down the, mar the market goes. So like I said, it's best if you're already putting those to good use, but if it, if it just happens to work out that you have, or if you get a big bonus or something, like you have a good influx of cash, it's like, you know, I'm going to lean slightly more towards getting that invested quickly, especially if I know like we're in the middle of a huge turn. So as I mentioned, I think the biggest thing is having that plan and leaning on this as the market gets shaky, it can get, it's really pretty much always going to get emotional and scary for, for, for people as we go through this, especially the worse it gets. And it's hard to tell exactly how it's going to affect you until you're really in it. So I think it's good to recognize that is something that's going to happen and it's okay to have some fear and, and concern around this, but just make sure that you're taking a minute and consulting your plan and tr trying to put on that logical hat. And I think it will save you some pain later in life and regret. And hopefully you don't have to learn from your mistakes and hopefully you can learn from this and some of my mistakes I made in the past. As always, it's been, it's been a pleasure and we'll look forward to catching up again next time where we dig into a couple of these issues I mentioned. We're going to dig into some of the behavioral tendencies we have when we invest. And then the next show after that, we're going to talk about some of the um, examples of how markets have worked in the past. So we'll look forward to catching up on those topics next time. Please know that anything I've said today in this podcast should not be considered advice. It is completely for educational and entertainment purposes only. It would be best to view me as just another guy talking about money on the internet. For advice, please consult your advisors. If you don't happen to have a financial advisor already, I happen to know a firm that's absolutely fantastic. It's actually the firm I started and currently run now, Ren Financial Planning. And we would love to get to know you better and see if we might be able to help. Feel free to reach out anytime to schedule an introductory meeting. You can find more info about us at www.renfinancial.com.